Nobody asked you, Kevin! Welcome back to Nobody Asked You, Kevin. My name is Kevin, of course, and I'm starting my eighth week of this working from home, social distancing lockdown thing. Um, I hope all of you are staying safe, staying healthy as possible, um, because I do see some states rumbling about opening back up, and my state has actually made the dumb decision to open up. So, But uh, I'm not going very far these days. I'm just going to sit my ass home, sit my ass down here at my house and uh, stay here a little while longer. Only going out for groceries, gas station, get food when necessary, that sort of stuff, but nowhere else. I mean, just because states open up, it doesn't mean that it's safe out there, that the virus has gone away. But the only good thing now is it's May. There's warmer weather outside. So hopefully we can all spend some time outside, not cooped up inside your home. But again, just be careful. Just be careful. Get some fresh air, absorb some sun, run around in your yard, whatever works for you. I'm just happier for nice weather. Get outside, do some yard work, and do some projects outside. But anyways, I'm here really to talk about a Post Malone held a fundraiser live streaming tribute the other night. Uh, he played all Nirvana songs, which surprised the hell out of me, 15 songs total. He played for around an hour and a half, and the point of all of this was to raise money for the World, Horth- World Health Organization's uh, COVID-19 Solidarity, Re- Solidarity Response Fund. Um, And they did just that. They raised, I think it was around uh, $2.5 million for the uh, fund. Uh, Post was uh, joined by Travis Barker. If you don't know Travis Barker, he was a drummer formerly of Blink-182. And he is an awesome, awesome drummer. Uh, Nick Mack on guitar and Brian Lee on bass. And I believe a violin as well. The thing about this was that, again, they played all Nirvana songs. And they didn't play Smells Like Teen Spirit, which, I mean, when you think about it, I think Kurt Cobain would smile at that. I've never been a big fan of Post's normal music. I think he uses way too much auto-tune. And actually, if you actually listen to this entire performance, um, he actually jokes about that because he says something about this may have been the first performance ever in which uh, I have used no auto-tune at all. And... Again, I've only really heard his stuff, the radio hits. So I might be a bit biased here, but I am not the biggest fan of his music. The live stream itself was pretty kick-ass, if I may say so. Uh, I'm coming around on Post Malone pretty quickly. Uh, This dude is quite the musician. And anytime you can watch and listen to Travis Barker just banging away on drums, it's an added bonus. Uh, That guy's a machine on the drums. Uh, But I have never been the biggest fan of Post Malone. But this guy is quite the musician, it turns out. 
they really did Nirvana justice with their covers of their songs. And like I said, they didn't do Teen Spirit, but they did cover the hits from all three of Nirvana's studio albums. So Bleach, In Utero, and Nevermind. Uh, the hits they covered were like Drain You, Come As You Are, Heart Shaped Box, Something In The Way About A Girl, Lithium Breed, uh, On on A Plane, uh, along with some lesser known songs like Frances Farmer Will Have Her Revenge on Seattle, Lounge Act, School, and Very Ape. Uh, so let's listen to Post Malone and Friends, their version of one of my favorite Nirvana songs, Lithium. I'm so happy because today I found my friends here in my head. I'm so ugly, that's okay, so Sunday morning, it's every day for all I care. And I'm not scared. Light my candles in a daze, cause I found God.
So that was pretty cool, right? I have a newfound respect for the guy. And I really want to see Post Malone delve into a more rock and metal uh, genre in the future. Uh, this performance sounded good. And it took me back to a time just a couple of long-ass months ago where you could experience a live rock show. And the moral of the story? I'm not questioning Post Malone any longer. That's the damn truth. He is a talented guy, and he can rock your ass off. Alright, I told you last episode that there was a lot of good music being performed and released during this pandemic. Uh, we just talked about Post Malone live streaming. So it's time for a new few new music recommendations. And here's a few new studio songs that have been released during this virus outbreak. So last month, Adelita's Way debuted a new single. Uh, it was named Habit. I've seen these guys play live a couple of times, and they are a fun live band. And to make it even better, they've been live streaming rehearsals, and even, even even done a full con a concert or two on social media since this social distancing thing started. Uh, you should check them out if you can. Uh, but first, let's listen to a clip of Habit. In the flip of a switch, I'm like a fiend. Lock me up tight, throw away the key. Just over a week ago or so, Breaking Benjamin released a new version of an older song of theirs from 2009. You can find the original version of this song called Dear Agony on the 2009 album Dear Agony. Uh, this time around, this version has Lacey Sturm on it, who, if you don't know who she is, she is the former vocalist of the band Flyleaf. Uh, the original version is, is, is a slow and beautiful song. But the added voice of Sturm gives it depth, in my opinion, which the 2009 version did not have. So let's give Dear Agony just a quick listen. I have nothing left to give. I have found the perfect end. You were made to make it hurt. Disappear into the dark. And finally, metalcore band August Burns Red released their new album, Guardians, at the beginning of this month. The third single from the album is titled Paramount. 
August Burns Red is probably most famous for their metal Christmas themed music. There's nothing better in my opinion than a, than a Christmas music done in a metal form. Uh, but, uh, they are probably most well known for that. Uh, they are a really nice metalcore band who produces original work as well. Um, but I've seen them play live a couple of times and each show has been killer. Uh, let's give this song Paramount a listen. And after you give this a listen, go check out that entire album, Guardians. It is really good. So much good music is now being released during these uh, stressful times, I guess. Uh, that was three new pandemic music recommendations uh, from me. Uh, go take a look at Adelita's Way. Go take a look at Breaking Benjamin. Go take a look at August Burns Red. Uh, whether it's new music from each of those bands or old music from each of those bands, you will not be disappointed. And now it's time for Somebody Had to Ask. Six question start with. Who, what, where, when, how, and why? Questions start with these. Step right up and answer all my questions if you please. All right, folks, it's time for another fantastic rendition of Somebody Had to Ask. Tonight's guest is... Uh, he, he's a little bit of everything. He's an organic chemist. He's a forensic toxicologist. He's a writer. He's a gardener. He's one rad dude. His name is Dr. Justin Brower, and I welcome him to the podcast. Nobody asked you, Kevin. How are you tonight? Hey, Kevin. I'm doing just fine. Thanks for uh, for having me. Hey, I, I'm happy to have you on. I, I, I can't wait for to hear some of your answers to these questions. Oh, <laughs> not now i'm scared well well we, we have a little bit of a history i mean we, we did that, we the the i mean we did a you primarily did a workshop at, at society of forensic toxicologists this past year and it was wonderful uh, i just had a little part but i uh, but it, it had the it had the audience rolling in a lot of parts so i, I can't wait I understand to... it was the best workshop that they'd ever put on that was I, the feedback I got. I, I got a lot of feedback like that as well. I was I, I loved it. I, I had people coming up to me left and right saying how much they loved it. So yeah. uh, I don't know how this year's conference is gonna top it, but it won't. We'll yeah, it won't. Yeah. I mean what what are we saying? It, it's not gonna top it. We yeah. are we we are the peak. Yeah, it, they should just shut it down now. Just like end the conference. Just say we had a good run. Um but yeah, it's over. <laughs> All right. So I, I, I want you to, I mean, I, I kind of described you as a few different things. I want to take, I want you to take a few minutes and, and um, talk about who you are, 
what you do, your pop culture fandoms, what you like to do, your hobbies, basically what makes you tick in life. Okie dokie. Yeah. Well, I kind of took the roundabout way into forensics. I mean, that's how we, we know each other. Um, you know, for those people listening, uh, I got to know Kevin through Twitter, um, but we're in the same field of forensic toxicology and um, you were anonymous at that point, but I kind of knew who you were already. I mean, there's only like so many Kevins that were writing about synthetic cannabinoids <laughs> and I could infer that you were in Indiana, but you weren't at a state lab. You're in, you know, a private lab and there's only so many of those Kevins in the world. <laughs> so um, <laughs> thank, you weren't exactly thank God. <laughs> yeah. You weren't exactly anonymous to me at all. Um, but then we met up at a, um, uh, you know, a soft society of forensic toxicology conference. I think it was the one in um, Atlanta. I forget what year it was, maybe like 2012 or something like that. And I think that's when we first met in real life. Um, and then we just been hanging out at conferences ever since. I mean, that's like the only time I really communicate with you outside of Twitter. Um, but yeah, we have a great time together. But as far as me personally, I, you know, went, have a degree in, you know, chemistry and went to grad school um, doing, you know, synthetic organic chemistry work, synthesizing bilirubin analogs. You know, bilirubin comes from the heme metabolism of, you know, the breakdown of your red blood cells. It's what makes people jaundiced, the yellow color of bruises, things like that. And then I did postdoctoral work at the University of California in Irvine with peptides, um, which I really love you know peptide work and how peptides you know aggregate and you know beta sheets and um, things like that and then i went into industry making peptide-based drugs and i gotta tell you pharma is just a weird industry um you know when you're talking about large amounts of money and therapeutics and it's just weird and the smaller the company the weirder it is and it's just a roller coaster ride of you know what drugs do you have in the pipeline and how well are they doing in like their animal models and whether or not, you know, the venture capital firms are going to keep funding the company. And it's just a roller coaster of like, are we getting funding this year? Are we not? And if you're, you know, single or if you have a high risk tolerance, it's not so bad. But, you know, when you're married and you have, you know, young kids and stuff like that, that insecurity of like, well, I could be out of a job in six months kind of wears on you. So when the company went under, I just decided to stay out of pharma. Um, I'm in the greatest area or one of the greatest areas, you know, for pharmaceuticals and, and research in the research triangle area of North Carolina. I shouldn't mention that I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a great spot, you know, for research and pharmaceuticals um, research and development, you know, outside of like San Diego, San Francisco in the Boston area. But I just, didn't want to stay in, in the field anymore. And so I took a job with the medical examiner's office supervising their toxicology lab. Uh, I'd supervised people before, you know, their PhD, you know, chemists and, you know, projects and things like that. But I also had the skill set of um, liquid chromatography mass spectrometry, LCMS and LCMSMS. And the lab had two instruments but they didn't know how to use them at all. And this was 2010 or 2009, I think, maybe when I joined the lab. 
2009, I think, is when I joined the lab. And at that point, very, very few labs were using LCMS to detect drugs and confirm them in postmortem specimens. So that's, you know, establishing, you know, like means and manner of death, you know, for, for your listeners. And so I had that skill set and um, my boss hired me and I thought I would stay there for about six months before I like, you know, killed myself. And but I really just wanted to, you know, figure out my next moves. But I really learned to love forensic chemistry and the, the postmortem forensic chemistry um, and, and forensic toxicology. And I just kind of moved on from there and having a background in not only the, the instrumentation and how to, you know, use it, you know, to really bring toxicology into the 21st century, but my pharmacology background and, you know, drug background really helped. And I, you know, parlayed that into, you know, a career in forensic toxicology. So it's been an, an interesting ride for me and it's an unusual, um, way to get to where I am. You know, most people like, you know, yourself, you know, kind of know you want to go into forensics and they get, you know, advanced degrees in, in forensics now, nowadays, um, nowadays, just about everybody has an advanced degree in toxicology or in forensics. And I'm kind of like the weirdo that, that has it, their PhD in organic chemistry. Um, but it's worked out. Okay. But as far as like fandoms and stuff go, you know, I mentioned, you know, earlier, maybe you weren't recording then, but, you know, I read a lot of comic books, mostly Marvel. Um, I'll read like three or four a night, watch all the movies, of course, a lot of Star Wars comics as well, all the Star Wars movies and stuff like that. Um, do a lot of cooking, like garden, you know, grow chili peppers, things like that. That's another thing, you know, that connected us together with our love of hot and spicy foods and chili peppers and stuff like that. Capsation for life. Exactly. Yeah. Do you have a capsation tattoo? No, I don't. I I thought about getting one, but why not? I, I I don't like to get that structure. Yeah. I've got, I've got serotonin, norepinephrine and dopamine on me, but I think I, if I was to get another structure, it would cap be capsation. Yeah. I mean, dopamine. Dopamine's for losers. Come on, get tattoos. <laughs> I've. I just don't like to get. I don't like to get tattoos in the in the spring and summer, because I'm outside and oh, the yeah. healing process, and you're sweating all the time. Um, so I'm, I'm saving. I've got some stuff in in the works for the fall and winter next year. But do you have room? I do have room. I have room on my legs, and I have room on my back. <laughs> so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have to be branching out here. But <laughs> all right. But either either that, I mean, you, you love you let you love Marvel, you love Star Wars, um, uh, you love um, growing things and gardening. Uh, you you write too. Oh, I write. Yeah, I didn't even mention that. That's kind of a, a new thing. Um, you know, I've been wanting to write a book. I, I have a blog, um, naturespoisons.com. I'll give a shameless plug for that. Plug away. Started, yeah. By the way. And um, there I write about natural-based poisons and toxins and venoms, so things that are coming from, like, say, plants and animals and algae and fungus and things like that. So I'm not writing about, like, fentanyl or, you know, bath salts and, you know, synthetic cannabinoids and things like that, just mainly things from the natural world. And I was interested in those because 
I really just wanted to get in the habit of, of riding. Like, my whole life, I've really wanted to be a rider. And you can't do that if you don't write. And so my idea was, you know what, I'll start a blog. I'll write about these natural-based poisons. Um, so I was interested in them because, you know, I don't see these things in my or your casework. You know, we see a lot of the run-of-the-mill, like, you know, heroin and fentanyl and cocaine and, and things like that. And they're pretty run-of-the-mill. They're pretty boring. They don't interest me. There's nothing that I can really learn about them now at this point. You know, but, you know, you have all these other, you know, natural drugs like aflatoxin and you know, scopolamine and um, and things like that. They have just great histories and stories behind them and, you know, and poisonings and tox- intoxications and true crime and just, you know, where they come from. And so I started just writing about, you know, those stories and those tales. And I always wanted to write a book about that again for like the last five years, but things just always got in the way life got in the way. You know, there were points where, you know, I would start writing the proposed, the book proposal, you know, you put a book proposal together, submit it to an agent, get an agent, submit it to publishers, you know, get a book deal and, you know, start writing the book, but things got in the way, you know, I'd, primarily my career, you know, I was, you know, you know, trying to, you know, obtain like our chief toxicologist position. And I was, and other people in the lab were 100% sure I would get that job. So I put the proposal on hold and I'm waiting like a year for the state and, you know, our office to, you know, get their act together. And then I was passed over for it and it was, um, you know, devastating. It was crushing, but it was really a blessing in disguise because it was the kick in the ass I needed to, you know, finish putting that proposal together and getting the sample chapter put together. And, um, you know, if I had the the chief's job, I wouldn't have had time, you know, to write a book and I wouldn't have been following my dream. And so, you know, the world works in mysterious ways. And so I, you know, stopped feeling sorry for myself and put it all together. It had some, you know, great help from, you know, some people locally and sent it out to the top agents and I sent out seven at a time and heard back from three agents within 24 hours. One of them, you know, called me within an hour, you know, wanting, you know, to know more about the project and to represent me. And so it, nice. it worked really, really well. And now I've got um, a great book deal with uh, Norton. Um, you know, Norton is the, the publisher of like the popular Mary Roach books. Oh yeah. Um, and then also like a, um, Judy Melanick's book, uh, Working Stiff, if people are familiar with that. And so Norton's, you know, the the top nonfiction book publisher in the country. And I couldn't be happier. And I've got a fantastic agent and a, a wonderful um, editor to work with. She she scares me a little bit. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that's to be expected. You know, she's just she just seems like very smart and to the point. And that's probably what I need. And so now I spend my time writing so you know we mentioned i i get up early or i go to bed early you know try to go to bed about eight o'clock or so read some comics fall asleep 8 30 or nine o'clock because i naturally wake up at about 3 a.m my oh. i just wake up and if i wake up anytime past about one o'clock in the morning it's hard for me to get back to sleep my brain just starts working right away 
And so I usually just get up at about three o'clock, have some coffee. I'll watch an episode of like Star Wars Clone Wars or Star Wars Rebels, something like that. And then, um, you know, write for an hour or so every morning and then, you know, get around and go to work and then, you know, write some more in the evening and on the weekends. And over the course of the next year, I'll have the book done. And a year after that, it'll be on the shelves. Nice. I I I can't wait to actually get my hands on this book. It's going to be awesome. Oh, you, I'm sure and, you'll see along the way. I can send you some advanced copies, but also um, you know chapters. You know if you oh, yeah. are interested in you know proofreading, editing. Not so much like editing, editing, but you know does this flow? Does this make sense? Is this too much of this one part? Not enough of this? Because that's the balance in this type of book. It's you know. It's not. A, it's a science book, but the science has to be accessible. I can't have a chapter on the pharmacology of scopolamine. I mean, that will bore people to tears. <laughs> you know, and you know, instead, you need to tell you know the stories of like you know like the true crime or the use of scopolamine as the first truth serum. You know, things like that. You know, that's what gets people's attention, and then weave in, you know, a couple hundred words about how it works, where it comes from. Um, so it's kind of got to get intertwined in there to educate people, but it's really the stories. And that's one thing I've learned about, um, you know, writing and science writing is it's really the people that make the story. It's not the facts. It's not like, say, you know, like we built an atom bomb or that it was used in World War II. It's the stories of the people behind it that created it or that tested it or that were affected by it. So it's really, you know, people drive everything. And so it's really a book about people with some science sprinkled in there and some crime and murder and poisonings. And it might be used as like a how to poison people or like (laughs) how not to poison people. So part of me is a little scared that, you know, people are going to use this as like a manual. Um, and I, I hope I don't get hauled into court someday to like testify. Like, that would suck. <laughs> yeah, people, when you get your hands on this book, don't use it to kill people. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So, so I mean, basically, we'll get to the questions here because I, what I really want, I want you to come on my other podcast as well. And yeah. Well, to get into the science really deep, um, uh, the Toxcast, I definitely want you to come on over there. And so we can talk all about poisons and um, your favorites and why you like certain things. And because you oh, yeah. bring a lot of insight to things, like you said, that, that aren't typically seen in a routine testing environment, the, the the cocaines and the fentanyls and heroines and alcohols. And you bring it, you bring awareness to a lot of these other things. So, um, but ultimately we're going to get to 20 questions right now yep. and they're all pretty dumb in nature. Uh, <laughs> but, well, I'm pretty dumb too. So it's a, it's a good match, <laughs> but I think, I think people's answers to a lot of these questions actually give a bunch of insight into who they are, uh, where they've come yeah. from. Um, some of them are just, you think about them. There's no yes or no questions. You've got to elaborate on these. So just for the audience sake, you haven't seen any of these questions, right? I have not. Okay. So we'll, we'll start with question one here. Easy. I'm okay. always hungry. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, little, food. I'm a little scared. 
Uh, don't be scared. These are these are easy questions. Not, okay. I, I'm a hungry guy. I'm always eating. I, it's probably why I'm pretty much overweight. But <laughs> uh, you're making a sandwich for lunch. What ingredients do you use? Oh, a sandwich. Yes. Um, I like sourdough bread. So I'll start with that. Um, mayonnaise, because I'm just a basic white dude. I like mayonnaise. Um, so yeah, uh, sourdough bread, mayonnaise, um, thinly sliced tomatoes, cucumbers, sprouts, avocado, a little bit of salt and pepper. And I, I'm pretty happy with that. Nice. And I am a mayo guy all the way, too. You have to have mayo. Oh, yeah. Well, you're, you're from, like, Michigan, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm originally from Michigan. It's uh, close to Canada as I think I can get, but uh, <laughs> I, 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 I've loved mayo my entire life, and I am a mayo defender. See, I think that's a Michigan thing. Cause, I mean, I grew up, you know, eating mayonnaise and stuff like that. It, it, again, I'm like as white a white dude as you can get. Um, but I'm from, like, the Pacific Northwest, the Seattle area, and it wasn't until I met my wife, who's a youper, like from the upper peninsula of uh, Michigan. Ah. And that's where I learned to dunk fries into mayonnaise. So yes. now that's like the only thing I eat with fries is like mayonnaise. Same with my girls too now. Um, but when she told me that, it's like, like when we were dating, I'm like, you're a psychopath. Like, that's crazy. Mayonnaise, you're kidding. Um, but then you try and it's like, this is pretty damn good. So... Yeah, it's just, you know, mayonnaise for life. (laughs) It's perfect. It's the, I call it, it's the perfect French fry condiment, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't understand people's aversion to mayonnaise, but. No, I don't either. Then again, I don't understand a lot of people's aversion to food. Like, people that don't like tomatoes. Like, what's not to like about tomatoes? But they'll eat ketchup, they'll eat spaghetti, but it's like, having, like, a slice of a tomato is, like, repulsive to them. Like, (laughs) I, I don't get it, but. You know, to each their own. I don't. I don't judge. Exactly. Well, I, I I do judge. It's okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, you've been given an elephant. Yes, okay. an elephant. Um, you can't give it away. You can't sell it. Um, you got to keep it. What would you do with that elephant? Is this an African elephant or an Indian elephant? Whichever one you want. Huh. What would I do with it? Well, I'd probably have to knock down some walls in the house to give it more room to walk around. Um, it'd be a hell of a pet. But, yeah, I'm definitely keeping the elephant. I don't know. I'd probably train it to make a sandwich. <laughs> what would you do with an elephant? I don't know. What? How far away do you live from your work? I could... I, like... Five miles. Would you ride it to work? I mean, would that be mean? It seems like it gets hot and humid here. But if it's like an Indian elephant, they're used to hot and humid. I mean, wouldn't that it would be take a... forever? How fast do they walk? That I don't know. I mean, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be a cool way to just roll into work on an just, elephant? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking like what I would do with the elephant once I'm at work. Like, I I couldn't leave it outside. I have to bring it inside. And the only space large enough inside would be, like, the autopsy suites. I'm sure the pathologist wouldn't mind, like, cutting into body with my pet elephant staring at them the whole time. 
let's see. I just looked up uh, uh, this this Stanford University says that they did a study and Asian elephants is what they're calling them. Um, I had an average walking speed of four point five miles an hour. Oh my god, it'd take forever. But <laughs> thirty two of the elephants move faster than previously documented, up to fifteen miles an hour. Huh. So I don't know. Maybe that's not a good idea. I don't think that's a good idea. I mean, I live I live a good, I mean, 30 miles from work, so. <laughs> yeah, that's, think... not, that's not practical either. Yeah, that's not practical. Um, I would probably train it to be a therapy animal as well. So you can go to, like, cancer hospitals and stuff like that for, like, the kids' hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um I think kids would like that. If they can go outside and like hang out with an elephant, that would oh, yeah. cheer, the cheer I mean, they me up. Go in the rooms, like when my my daughter was at um, having brain surgery at um, Duke Children's Hospital, a therapy dog came by. Julius, coolest dog ever, and just seeing that kids react to like therapy dogs coming to the rooms is just—I mean, it'll make you cry. Um, it's a wonderful thing. So yeah, I think a therapy elephant. I think that would lift some spirits. That would be really cool. I would love that. Um, you win $1 billion in the lottery. Yeah, this is never going to happen, but you win $1 oh, billion dollars in the lottery. And what what are the first two things you do with the money? First two things. Um, one, I would get rid of every school lunch debt in America because not feeding kids – because their parents owe money for school lunches, which is idiotic to begin with. That charging for food at school at a place you're supposed to go is mind-boggling. So I get rid of every school lunch debt and find a way to fund healthy, free food for all students that want it. I could probably do that for a billion um, and use that billion to find backers to, to fund it. Um, that'd be the first thing. Um and the second thing, I would pour a shit ton of money into every campaign to get rid of these orange turds. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so whatever I can do to make life better for people. In, in my old age, I'm not a whole lot older than you. I've just come to the realization that if you're not actively trying to make life better and easier for people... You just got to get the fuck out. It's that should be everyone's goal in life. Make other people's lives better and easier instead of throwing up roadblocks and trying to make things harder for people. Um, you know, so I would fund, you know, basic necessities for people, you know, food and shelter and, and clothing. Um, yeah, that's how I'd spend a billion and I'd probably spend almost all of it. Um, I don't need a whole lot. My kids don't need a whole lot. I mean, hell, you, you set aside like $10 million, you know, put it, the money into like T-bills or bonds or whatever, something safe. I mean, you can, you know, retire off the interest on that, and uh, they, they'd be set for life. But the rest of it would go towards helping people. That uh, I love that answer. Uh, but you, you have to answer, though, is there – what would you buy for yourself? Oh, what would I buy for myself? Yeah, just – what would you buy something selfishly? Oh, selfish. 
Uh, and here I was being an asshole. All oh, first. no. Yeah. <laughs> being nice to people. Come on. Damn it. That. Don't other people. Um, actually. Fuck people. Yeah. I would probably go to Disney World for like two weeks and maybe oh, stay out at like those bungalows at the Polynesian. God, or, I, I want to do that so bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think that's in our future, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I those are expensive. That's all I know. Those are, yeah, those are expensive. Yeah. Um, or like one of those nice presidential suites at the Polynesian or, you know, something like that. And just have a great time, not worry about money and have the guided tours and, and stuff like that. Just have that, that VIP experience at Disney World. Um, probably without the kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so just just me and the wife. <laughs> That's the way to do it. I mean, yeah. if you can ever do that, yeah, if you can ever go to Disney without the kids, man, that's, that's the way to go. That's where we're almost at in life. I'm looking forward to it. You know, the girls are 13, 13, and 15, and they like, we've been to Disney World, and they like it, but they don't like it as much as Kelly and I do, my wife and I. Um, you know, we really love it, and they're kind of, I don't know, maybe it's a, a Generation Z, Zoomer type thing. You know, like, they're like... Yeah, it's fun and all, but it's a lot of money, and they, they feel weird about spending that much money for something that they see as trivial. I mean, I guess we raise them well, but we also want them to enjoy themselves <laughs> as well, so maybe they've taken it to an extreme. Yeah, but, my, yeah I, I love Disney. Yeah, my kids, like, spend all the money. <laughs> I, I don't think I raised them that well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, spend all the money. Spend. You've got a lot of money. Spend it all. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 if I could go to Disney for a couple of weeks and, and stay in some of those, like the bungalows there, at Polynesian, that would be the life. Yeah, I would. I would love that. All right. So if you're ship, shipwrecked on a deserted island, and we're we're just talking about Disney, we're talking about the Polynesian. Uh, now you're on a deserted island. Um, all of your human needs are taken care of. So you have food, you have water. There's no problem there. What two items would you want to have with you on the island? Ooh, two items. And I've got food and shelter and clothing. Yep, that's all taken care of. Um, probably an e-reader with boatload of books and comic books preloaded on it. You know, as much, many books as you can fit on it. So I have something to read. And um, it's probably asking too much for a Wi-Fi connection, huh? <laughs> Out in the middle of the ocean, probably. Probably but... not going to happen. Deserted island. I don't know. Probably like a motorbike or something like that so I can get around easier. Okay. I like and that answer. A lot of stuff to read. I got to entertain myself. So. Yeah, I mean, if you're by yourself and you're on an island, what else are you going to do? You yeah. got to find you got to find something to do. So probably do a lot of reading, something like that, and right. a bike to get around. <laughs> and a bike. Yeah, a motorbike. Like, I can't ride like a motor like a motorcycle motorbike. Yeah, not like not like a ten speed bike. No, like a, like a dirt bike, something like that. Yeah. Maybe solar powered. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you're gonna run out of gas sooner or later. All right, so 
going back to when you were a young kid and we're both old. So, um, but what posters did you have on your bedroom walls? If you had any, when you were a 16 year old kid, you know, I don't think I had any at all. Nothing on your walls. No, I didn't have any posters. Um, I had friends that did, and I was jealous of theirs. But I never uh, had any myself. Um, but if I could have, it probably wouldn't would have been a poster of Duran Duran. Oh um, yeah, and a poster of Dominique Wilkins. Oh, so you were you were a Dominique fan? Yeah, yeah, I like Dominique. So he had just him dunking on some fool, something like that. <laughs> I was always um, of that era in into the nineties. Um, I was always more of an Elijah type fan. Oh I yeah, mean, yeah. I, I think Hakeem Elijah is probably the biggest, most underrated player. You don't hear people talk about him, um, but yeah, I I absolutely love that guy. But Dominique, though, man, he was. He was he a was star fun. there for a while, man. He, he was fun to watch when, you know, he and Jordan would have a little rivalry for a couple of years. And back when the dunk contests were actually like real dunks and fun to watch. Yeah, they actually yeah. meant something. And yeah, yeah, people cared. And it's not just, I mean, now it's just going between your legs and uh, jumping over people. I mean, that's about it. Gimmicky. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, I... <laughs> I had yeah, get off my lawn. <laughs> Back in my day, the dunk contest. I mean, this is what we've devolved into, like complaining about the dunk contest and how it's crap now. <laughs> <laughs> These people, they're jumping over seven and a half feet tall other people. And I'm complaining about it. Yeah. But Hakeem and Dikembe Mutombo, yeah, oh, underrated oh, big man. The finger wag <laughs> and all that. Wag. I love just all the commercials, though, that what resulted out of those. Um, oh, yeah. Cam, was it a... Things were remember. fun back then. Yeah, things were really fun back then. All right, so it we're going to switch... Johnson commercials and Little Penny. I mean, <laughs> those were good times. Yes. The McDonald's commercials with, like, Larry Bird and Michael Jordan, like, banking shots off of, like, billboards and moving cars or whatever, playing oh. horse. That was fun. I kind of wish they'd do those now. I mean, those. Yeah. Are, I mean, bring back Jordan. Bring they're still bring back Jordan. Bring back Bird, Magic, um, and then get some of the younger guys. I mean, they're now they're quite old. I mean, LeBron and and, and whatnot. But I mean, get them involved too. But yeah, you just don't see that sort of stuff these days. Not so much. Now I'm sad. I know. Thanks. I kind of am sad too. Damn it! What is this? What is this podcast evolved into? Man, I don't know. I'm just like a pity party. (laughs) All right. So (laughs) here's a good question. You find yourself running for public office. Nice. Now, now, we don't want to get down here, but what issue do you base your campaign on? You might have, I mean, you've kind of talked a little bit about some of this already, kind of. Yeah, just like things that every human needs to live. So it'd probably be. Healthcare. I mean, our healthcare system is just beyond bonkers. I mean, you talk to anybody in any other country and they're like, you've got to be kidding. You pay that much money for insurance and then you've got to pay like thousands on top of that for like a broken arm. 
and like people in the UK and like Canada, they just like laugh at us. They're just in shock. Um, we shouldn't be like one broken arm away from someone being homeless. It, it's just ridiculous. So, and you know, if we can fund billions of dollars for military and border walls and God knows what golf courses, who knows <laughs> bailouts of farmers and of oil companies and stuff like that. We can fund universal health care for everybody. But, it, but it's but easy. but but that'd be but, my cam- that'd be my campaign. I'd be running on health care. Socialism, man. Socialism. The bad word. Oh no. Uh, oh my God. Don't even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> Let's use our taxes what for what they're meant for. To help people. Help, helping people. Yeah, yeah, that's smart. Anyways, that's I'll get off on a tangent on that. I don't want to do that. But so, um, <laughs> on a large scale, like if I was running for like a large public office, it'd be healthcare. If it was something smaller, um, like at the state level or something like that, or like county, it would be like if I was running for like a county position, it would be um like school lunches or something like that. Yeah. Um, again, just finding ways to, you know, fund the school district's lunch program. Um, there are ways to make it cheaper, cheaper, healthier, easier, make it available for everybody, um, you know, regardless of income. It, it's not a hard problem to solve. I mean, it, these things are really, really easy to fix. Yeah, and it, it, it's fundamental. I mean, it's kids have to be in school you need to feed them i mean it it, it seems like it's all too much common sense but yeah that's where i get talking about common sense and just (laughs) i don't know but if aliens landed in front of you okay now we're talking about aliens we're going from public office to aliens aliens landed in front of you and in exchange for anything you might desire they offer you a position on their planet, and you can pick that position. What would you want? So I can have a position on their planet. Yes. And I can get off of this one. Yes. Sweet. Um, what's the planet like? I don't know. I don't know. I'd probably be like director of tourism or something like that. So that way, when they like abduct people from like other planets, I can be like the welcoming party. Like, hey, <laughs> welcome to Planet Xenon. I'll be your host. Let me tell you all about this place. So it'd be kind of like a Mr. Rourke type thing going nice. on. I, I need a tattoo somewhere. Not a <laughs> tattoo, like ink on my body, but like the little yeah, tattoo. The little, little guy uh, tattoo. Yeah, Hervé Villachez. I, I need him. We'll, um, we'll reincarnate him. Actually, maybe he was abducted by aliens. Who knows? But I actually kind of believe in aliens. So I don't think this is that weird of a question. This well, it, this may actually happen. Yeah, it's not. It's not really weird. I mean, you got to think there's got to be life somewhere. I mean, oh, yeah. somewhere out there. Of and the billions of planets, they're they're just, can't be the only, only ones. Yeah, they're just smart enough to not talk to us. Yeah, they're like, fuck these dudes. They're assholes. They just keep going. <laughs> Well, it's the truth. I mean, if I was if I was floating around in space somewhere and I saw this planet and how fucked we are and how stupid we act and everything, I would probably just hey, fuck those guys, keep moving. Yep. Ah. All right, you're on death row. 
<laughs> we're we're moving along here. You're not, you're not, I don't know what caught, you, They finally caught me. You've you've used your poison knowledge and now you're on death row. Yeah. Uh, you get to select your last meal. What would you choose for your last meal? Huh. Last meal. Probably have some fruit pie, some cherry pie, apple pie, something like that. Some sushi. Some lobster. Glass of wine. Pretty simple stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm not like a big fast food person or something like, like oh, I want to have a Big Mac for my last meal or anything like that. Just, um, I guess, food I like. That I don't get that often. It's like sushi, something like that. I'm not a big steak eater or anything like that. Actually, I don't eat steak at all. Um, so, yeah. Sushi, pie, wine. Things that don't go well together, but I'd like <laughs> to have them individually, maybe like spaced out. <laughs> all at once. Yeah. Oh, man. Ooh. It, just put it in a blender. Just blend it. <laughs> blend it, drink it. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah, I wouldn't go for any fast food. I'd be like, I want a, like a homemade hamburger, a big juicy burger, but it's got to be something made at home. I mean, it's got to be grilled at home. It's not fast food. It's got to be like someone's family reunion barbecue. Yes. Yeah. It's got to be. I mean, we have we have a we've been having a Fourth of July extra. We call it our our Shanks. Fourth of July extravaganza every year. Um, oh, we have fancy. family over and everyone we blow shit up and everything for over a couple of days. And we, we have big grill and we grill bunch of stuff. And I would it would be one of those burgers. I would want a big juicy July fourth Shanks July fourth extravaganza burger. So if you're on death row, would they let you cook your own meal? Like could they like wheel a, like a barbecue in there? I don't I, I don't I mean, you might afraid. die of like carbon monoxide poisoning before you like, <laughs> get your meal, but I, I would. They would. I see. I just. Probably I just not. don't see them. I just don't see them having like access to like um, giving like someone on death row access to like uh, uh, grill spatula or tongs or something that's sharp. Um, they might try to get a, get out of there. I yeah, don't they don't want you shanking someone. Exactly. All right, so here, here's, here's, it's this is kind of a, a big question, and don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I've had plenty of terrible bosses throughout the years. We've all had terrible bosses. I'm sure mm-hmm. you've had terrible bosses. So without naming any names, of course, we don't want to do that. Um, tell me about the worst boss you've ever had. What I mean, what made them a terrible boss? I mean, nothing else outside of that. Just what made the person a terrible boss? Uh, they never showed up to work ever. Um, That's a problem. Yeah. So like they've got a lab, they've got an office in the lab, but never showed up. They were supposedly like splitting their duties between, you know, like the company and their academic position, but they never showed up at all, except for like, you know, like an every other week meeting for like a half an hour, never use their office. We just use it for storage. And then his grad students would call to the lab wondering where he's at. 
you know, thinking he's spending all his time like with us, the company that he helped found. And we're like, no, he's not here. Then after like a few months, it's like, okay, people, students, stop calling over here. He is never here. And they're like, it's like noon. Like he's, where is he? Like, so he was never at the university. He was never at the laboratory. No one knew where he was or what he was doing. And he would just, you know, fly off the handle if you ever had an opinion contrary to his. So he was very insecure about the the science and the chemistry as well, um, which is probably why he never showed up to the lab. So yeah, he was horrible. Yeah, what a dick. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, that's the that's that's the worst. I mean, when when people, I mean, even when you question or I mean, throw out a concern or I mean. There, when someone gets so defensive about something that, I mean, they just blow up about it. God, I, I've went through that, and that is not fun. No. <laughs> All right, lighter topic. Favorite TV show theme song? Oh. Um, Darkwing, can I, do I have to pick one? You can pick more than one. I've got um, a few, so I like Darkwing Duck. Oh yeah, um, Tailspin. That's a good one. And I grew up watching a lot of Mash, so I like Mash. I mean, it's a really depressing song, but um, you know, Suicide is Painless and brings on many faces and all that. Um, but those would be my like top three. Yeah, Darkwing Duck, Tailspin, Mash. Greatest American Hero. Oh, nice one, nice. Yeah, I, yeah, I was just watching Tailspin the other day. I forgot how great of a little cartoon that was. It's so good. I there were some great animated shows like in those like early nineties. You know, it's like Tailspin and Darkwing Duck, and I mean Batman the animated series. Like, really, I think blew it up. Mm-hmm. I mean those those were some really good times. I I'm. Man, now I'm bummed again. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we don't have good animated stuff now. I mean, like the Star Wars Clone Wars and, um, you know, Rebels are really good. But, yeah, I miss those those early 90s, 90s days. Yeah, I mean, I was, I'm was i the biggest DuckTales fan. And the Darkwing Duck. I mean, I love Darkwing Duck. Um, but I, I would probably have to go with um, DuckTales and then... Um, X-Men animated series. Oh, yeah. That little, I mean, the guitar riff. Yeah. And then... Um, so I, cheesy. <laughs> oh, it's so cheesy, but it's so good. So good, yeah. And then Perfect Strangers. Remember, oh, yeah. Uh, remember Balky and Larry? Yeah. That Perfect Strangers theme, I mean, it tells the entire story. It It's a great theme. It's singable. It's melodic. It's It's great. You laughed, you cried, you hurled. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. You read a lot. What is the last good book you actually read? Oh. Um, that you would recommend to people. Yeah. Um, It was, I'm looking it up because I don't remember the name of it. 
Um, I think they're Maureen Johnson's books. It's the trilogy. Um, the Vanishing Staircase, I think. Ah, yeah. Is that Maureen Johnson? Yes, it is. I believe so. Uh, yeah. So she wrote um, Truly Devious. Yeah, I, I've read that. That was one of the last devious. books I read was Truly Devious. So I think it's Truly Devious and then The Vanishing Staircase. And the third one um, just came out, which is The Hand on the Wall. Yep, that's The Hand on the Wall. Yeah, The Hand on the Wall. I haven't read that one yet. Um, but I really like those. I I don't I don't know why. I I mean some of my favorite authors are like Richard Wright, who wrote Native Son and Black Boy and um you know, I I really like good literature. Um you know, I took you know the like the upper level literature courses in college as my electives because again I always wanted to be a writer and I like English lit and stuff like that. And my dad is an English teacher and creative writing teacher or was he's retired um i even had him as a teacher um i got an a in the class thanks dad um (laughs) so i always you know i always liked english and you know english lit and all that but in my free time you know i i think so much at work and i'm i just want to come home and just kind of not have to think a whole lot and so I'm not reading really in-depth stuff. I read a lot of like young adult type stuff, the young adult mysteries, um, like how to hang a witch. I really liked a lot. Um, the girl in the well. So kind of like that paranormal mystery type stuff, um, of of young adult type works. I just want to something easy reading and just relax and enjoy myself and not have to think a whole lot. Exactly. So I, you know, it, it sounds dumb, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm like the 40 year old dude, like reading like the young adult stuff and, you know, perusing through the young adult section, at, you know, <laughs> and, Noble and I, you know, it makes you feel like really creepy and stuff like that. <laughs> but <laughs> well, that's what I like to read. Though. It's not though, because you're right. When you, when you're, when you're doing stuff all day, you're having, you have a challenging job, you've got, you're thinking all day. Um, you just you don't want to come home and read some of that. I mean, just I mean some of that stuff. You, you you want to read something that where you don't really have to think a lot. Where I mean, that's entertainment. I mean, it's same with movies. I mean, I sometimes I feel bad because I go to a lot of movies and I go to a lot of these kids' movies and sometimes I'm by myself if it's if it, if the kid if my kid doesn't want to go see it. I'm by myself in a kids' movie. Seems kind of weird. Seems kind of creepy. But, well, it's that white van you have. That's the creepy part. Well, the white the white van isn't the creepy part. It's it's, it's the part that it has no windows and it has a candy sign on it. That's it. Yeah, that's the creepiest part. Because there are plenty of white vans out there. Anyways. And then as creepy as yours, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I've been. I, I just finished. Um, I, I I did read Truly Devious not too long ago. And I just finished uh, a Wanderers by Chuck Wendig. Oh yeah, um, which is I thought was excellent. Um, but I, I mean, have you read that? I haven't, and I have a confession to make. Yeah, I love Chuck. Uh-huh. I, I follow him on Twitter. I I'll, I'll support his work. I'll like retweet his stuff and um, recommend his books to other people. 
And I know there's a lot of people, like including you, that like his work, you know, like Blackbirds and stuff like that. Um, and he writes, he wrote a Star Wars trilogy as mm-hmm. well. And I love Star Wars books. Um, I love the early, like, uh, Timothy's on Star Wars books. But I can't read Chuck's work. I love the guy. I support him as a writer. But I've tried so many times to read his works, and I just can't. It's um, it's just a style of writing. I just can't get into it. I can get, like, five pages, and I'm just like, I can't handle this at all. For whatever reason, it just doesn't click with I me mean, that I mean, that happens. It, it, it not, I mean, things are different for different people. I mean, I, I've read a lot of different things that people rave about, and I'm just like, really? This is what you were talking about that was so great, and I just can't get into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed his uh, Miriam Black series, um, Blackbirds, Mockingbird, um, that sort of thing, but, and then Atlanta Burns and that sort that those couple yeah, of books, and I want to like it because that's like it's the genre I like reading as well. I like kind of like the mystery horror ish stuff. You know, I've read like tons of Stephen King and you know Dean Koontz, so I like that 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 genre. But I just can't get into it, and so I'll try Wanderers as well because yeah. again, people rave about it, and it, again, it's a book that I should like. I mean, hell, I like read Stephen King's The Stand and, you know, all sorts of like epically long, you know, you know, books. And so I, I really should like it. So I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I, I highly recommend giving Wanderers a shot. And if, if you haven't tried it, try to try Invasive if you haven't tried it as well. That one's good. Um, but either way, I mean, it's not I mean, it's not for everyone. Um, but on to the next. What film do you consider to be your favorite movie of all time? Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers. Yep. It's Why the is movie that? I've watched the most. It's. I think it's also one of the first movies I remember seeing in a movie theater. I saw it with my mom and my uncle, her, her brother. I remember seeing it in the movie theater with them. Just little snippets here and there is what I remember because I would have been really young. I would have been like five or four or something like that. Yeah, that came out, what, uh, 80, 81, somewhere around there? Something like that, yeah. So I was, yeah. I was really young. Um, so the Blues Brothers, I've watched it at least a couple hundred times. It's just a fun movie to watch for me. I like the music. Um, you know, the car chases and, you know, Carrie Fisher, it's um, just all the cameos in there. You know, John Candy, it's, <laughs> it's just a riot. So, um, yeah, I, I never hesitate with that question. What's your favorite movie? It's Blues Brothers, always. So on the on the other end, on the other end of that, what is in your opinion, the worst movie for you? It, it, it probably not. It's not the worst movie of all time, but it's kind of a movie you just can't get into. You despise it. You just can't stand it. Hmm. Because there are plenty of bad, terrible movies. I mean, that no one should ever watch ever again after the first time. But there's just movies you just cannot get into. 
that maybe other people like. Yeah, that people rave about. That you just don't see why people, I mean, rate them so highly. Well, I'd put like Avatar in there. Like, good. It's an okay movie, but I don't know why people rave about it. I don't, and some do. Um, the other movie that people really, really like to have, like, it has like a huge fandom, and I don't get. Is it um, Alita Battle Angel? Oh, yeah, Battle, yeah, Alita Battle Angel, yeah. So, I mean, I watched that. It's got a good cast. It was, I think, fair is being generous for it. But, man, people love that movie. I mean, people are rabid about it. And I'm like, I don't really get it. Um, as far as, like, bad, bad, I don't really watch... I don't have time to watch bad movies. So I generally don't watch. I'm usually pretty careful about screening movies ahead of time. But yeah, those types of movies that people really get into and I'm like, eh, it's, it's okay. I also don't see movies in theaters like you do. Um, okay. I'm going to start going to movies kind of recently. So before the new star Wars movie came out, um, what was that? Um, the Force. What is that? The Force. Oh, the, the Force Awakens episode the Force seven. Awakens. Yeah, The Force Awakens. That was the first movie I had seen in a theater in like 10, 12 years, something like that. Oh wow! Before that, it was June sixth of two thousand four was the last movie I'd seen in the theater, June 6, 2004. And I think it was the third Harry Potter movie. Ah. And I know you're wondering, like, like, why is that so specific? Um, it was the day before my first daughter was born. Okay. And she was born the next day. So whatever Harry Potter was movie, it was in the theater. Yeah. Back, it would uh, have been, time. what, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, maybe? I think that was it. I think that's what the one was in 2000. Yeah, that it would have been Azkaban, which, in my opinion, is the best one. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. My favorite. Yeah, because I mean that's the one where they they're more wearing like contemporary kids' clothing and stuff mm-hmm. like that, not just the robes and stuff like that. So it had a different feel to it. Yeah. All so right. The, so so I went from 2004 through, well, whenever the Force Awakens. Came that out was in 15. That. Yeah, so I went, you know, like 11 years um, between movie theaters. I just don't like movie theaters at all. I I don't like being around the people. I don't like noises and stuff like that. I don't want to hear people chewing popcorn or talking or on their cell phones or anything like that. <laughs> it, it just it just sucks. And and I listened to your podcast episode about you know you being really ticked off <laughs> and movie <laughs> etiquette and stuff like that. I've never screamed at people, but man, I wanted to. Oh yeah, you go to movies enough, you'll it'll end up screaming at somebody every once in a while um, because people they're it's like their manners just go out the window. They just completely forget. That they're humans and that they should act decently while watching a movie in a public place. (laughs) The last one I went to was Knives Out, and it was like an early bird matinee um, at a small local theater. And we watched Knives Out. And 
I think it was just like like an old homes bus, like an old folks home bus, just like drop people off because it was like full of like senior citizens. And there was like this group of older people, not that I'm an ageist or anything like that, but they were old. Um, and they were like sitting just down the row from us. And this lady just wouldn't shut up like the entire time. She's like talking to like everybody beside her. And then at one point she pulls out like a grocery sack, like full of food, like just like the plastic bags just <laughs> full of like food. And she's like waving it at people like, do you want some of this? Do you want some of this? And it's it like, out. <laughs> oh, I'm like, just Karen, shut up. I would have asked for a sandwich. She probably had a sandwich. She probably would have, but it's just so annoying. And and then before that, I, I know this is probably running long, and you're getting bored with me. But then before that, <laughs> we watched the the latest, the last Star Wars movie, uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're down visiting my dad and his chick in uh, over Christmas, and they wanted to go see the movie and. They usually take us out to a movie or take the the girls out to a movie, but she got the tickets at a that theater where they like serve food. Like they have people like you know walking around taking your order, and they'll give you like a plate of nachos or like burgers oh, yeah. and fries and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I hate it. I don't want to listen to people chew their food. And not only that, I, mean, I know they have like the sound up pretty loud, so you're not really hearing people a whole lot. But it's just so weird. There's like a space battle going on, and you're smelling ketchup. Like it's one thing if they're like piping in like sounds, like they do it, Di- you know, smells like they do at Disney, you know, like the California Adventure or something like that, mm-hmm. and you can smell like oranges as you're flying through the orange groves. But they smell like ketchup in a movie theater <laughs> when you're watching a space opera. It just doesn't work. It's just like what the hell? Just get me the hell out of here. So. <laughs> I hate movie theaters. I just want to be in my own home. Everyone else wants me to be in my own home as well. <laughs> yeah, I I have I, – that's why I go to – I mean, honestly, this is why I go to movies at, late at night a lot of times. 10 o'clock at night, I'll be at a, a movie um, because mo- most of the time, it's not a full house. It's not It's not a – I mean, packed theater. There maybe might be one or two other people in there. So it's it's a lot better atmosphere because well, the older I get, the worse I, I can't stand people. So yeah, get off our lawn. Yeah, we suck. <laughs> the other thing I can't understand is when we were kids, I used to always go to the movie theater. My parents would like drop us off at the movie theater. We'd pay for one ticket, and then we just like hop around from theater to theater to theater and spend our entire day just watching movies for free. But you didn't need to buy like tickets like a month ahead of time. It's like Nowadays, you want to watch something, you've got to like, you know, go to Fandango or something like that. You've got to like, you know, buy your tickets like ahead of time. If it's like a new release that's popular, you know, it's going to be like sold out or hard to get. It it just takes the joy out of it for me to like walk up and just like purchase your tickets at the, you know, the box office and go see a movie. You've got to like plan it out, which is weird because I'm a planner. I like to plan things. Uh, as part of being a scientist, I guess. But it's it's just weird to me. I don't like it. I don't <laughs> yeah, like it at all. Yeah, I'm not I mean, a- over the last, I mean, 10, 15 years, that's definitely changed. And I'm not the biggest fan. I haven't bought a ticket at, like, at the box office for, I mean, 15 years probably. And yeah, you can't. I don't even know why there's anybody there. Like, why are they staffing someone there? They have some kid there. 
Well, I've never seen them do anything. Well, my I, local my local theater that I go, I mean, just a few miles from the house here, and they don't have anybody out there anymore. They actually sell tickets at the concessions counter. Yeah, because everyone's already pre-bought them. Yeah. So basically what they've done is they've gotten rid of a local job. Exactly. So there's some high school kid that's jobless. Machines are taking this. over. Yeah, we got to fix this. Instead, what they do is they give an extra responsibility to the high school kid working the concessions and the popcorn. So instead of just now doing the popcorn, you've also got to sell tickets as well. And they're not going to pay them anymore. Exactly. That's yeah. This and you're feeding, feeding the machine. That is corporate America. Damn I mean, it. We're, we're terrible. Now I'm going to go to bed all pissed off. Thanks, <laughs> Kevin. All right. So can you remember the last time you laughed so hard you snorted? Um, it was probably today. Um, I, I, I try to laugh at work a lot, laugh with people at work. I couldn't even tell you what it was. It, it was probably making fun of Safa. I mean, you know, Safa It's probably making fun of her. Um, cause, <laughs> hi, hi Safa, if you're listening to this. Yeah. Um, cause she's an easy target and she makes fun of me a lot. So it, it's probably something like that. Um, <laughs> Probably something stupid she did or is doing or, um, oh yeah, my running joke is that I'm dating her mom. So I have a lot of like, yeah, your mom and I are talking a lot about your future and um, <laughs> you really need to apply yourself and tell your mom I said hi. Um, oh yeah, your mom, you you know, was texting me something about you. Here, I'll show it to you. Oh wait a minute, yeah, I can't show you that pic. Yeah, you don't want to see that of your mom. <laughs> That's it awesome. Yeah, but the thing is, she'll go and then tell her mom all this. So now her mom <laughs> actually wants to meet me, and we might be dating. I'm not sure. uh, you never know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Don't tell my wife. <laughs> yeah. I'm dating right. Safa's mom. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we're skipping the we're skipping over that. Now. <laughs> what is your favorite season of the year? Ooh, I like spring. You know, this is kind of like the rebirth of everything, seeing the the bright green new leaves on the trees, the season changing, getting a you know a little bit warmer, but still a little on the cool side. So yeah, spring. Yeah, see, I'm a, I'm a fall guy. I'm a see, I I could could have gone that way too. Yeah, I like the cooler weather and just the changing of the colors, either changing to the fall foliage mm-hmm. or changing to the spring just that change is what i like with the cooler weather well i'm it's selfish reasons uh oh fall. yeah i can, I can football only get season field. football season basketball season my birthday halloween. my wedding anniversary and halloween yep that that's it's like the time of year for me i i absolutely love it so all right so Music-wise, we got to talk a little, just a couple questions about music. Oh yeah, uh, your favorite band or musician right now? Um, I like Billie Eilish right now. She gets I, she gets a bad rap. I don't understand it. She does. A lot of people because don't she like her. Who Van Halen was or something? Yeah, there was that whole thing, but a lot of people don't like her. I mean, I I don't understand why. I don't get it. Like her music is really good. It, it's um, it's catchy. It's good. I enjoy it. I mean, what it's not else? Like. I mean, she's, it's just jealousy. I mean, because she's young and she's talented. Yeah. Uh, 
and she's kind of like the anti-pop star-ish, you know, she doesn't, you know, with her, her style, just a different sense of style, mm-hmm. I guess. But, but I like her a lot. Okay. Um, yeah. If I had to pick just one. Okay. Um, so that's Billie Eilish now. Who was it 20 years ago? Uh, 20 years ago? Oh, in 2000. Yeah. 20 years ago. Man, that's old. God. God damn. Thank you. Um, <laughs> trying to think of like, what I was doing. So I was in grad school. Um, the stuff I was probably listening to the stuff I was back in like the nineties and the eighties, which was Duran Duran, Pet Shop Boys, The Cure, Depeche Mode and Erasure. I mean, I still listen to that a ton. Um, so yeah, just those bands, but I'm, I like the eighties, like new wave, Euro pop, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's pretty much probably what I listen to. Yeah, I'd call that new wave synth pop type music. Yeah. So you mentioned Duran Duran a couple of times. What's your favorite Duran Duran song? Um, probably Hungry Like the Wolf. I mean, there are so many. I like, yeah. I celebrate their entire catalog. <laughs> Hopefully people have seen Office Space. I, yeah. I, otherwise, <laughs> that joke's not going to go over very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm uh, like the wolf rio stuff like that yeah i see i was never a fan of them really until the I mean the mid 90s with that wedding album yeah um and come undone. I, yeah come undone is still that's a my great favorite song. still my favorite song by them oh yeah I mean, out of and I've, i mean i've listened to their entire i mean everything by them many many times now and come undone is just it, i don't know it just hits me a certain way i guess yeah. Oh, I get. I totally get it. I mean, I've listened to that song on repeat like a bajillion times. It's, it's, it's a good song. Yeah. If you could explode one musical artist off the map, boom, they are gone. You never have to see them again. Who would it be? Oh, that's that's a good one. So I think most people would go for like boy bands or spice girls or something like that but you know what they have a lot of fans and people really do like them and their in, music in sync and the backstreet boys i'm a fan i'm a huge fan of in sync so yeah so i think that would be someone's natural gut reaction but it's not mine um because people like them and they're they're popular and they make people happy and all that i'm gonna go out on the limb and you're gonna get a lot of hate mail for this so get get ready all right Um, i'm ready bruce springsteen that i i I agree i'm not a fan i yeah i don't like any of his songs any of his music he's the most overrated guy ever people spend like thousands to go to his concerts i don't get it he's never had a number one song ever never a number one song Yet everybody knows who this fool is, and people like worship the ground he walks on. I don't get it at all. Well, um, I mean, the best song of his—I mean, the best song wasn't even of his wasn't even sung by him. So, what's I, that? Because of the night, um, sung by um, Patti Smith. Oh, he, um, did he write that? 
Yeah, he originally wrote it. He gave it to her, um, and I, she took it to prominence. And that song, I mean, it's a tremendous song oh, been yeah. covered by many people. Um, but it, in my opinion, that's his best song ever. And he didn't even <laughs> write the damn thing, or he didn't even he didn't even sing the damn thing. Yeah. So I go with with Springsteen, um, just because I think he's just so overrated. And their fans are just obnoxious. So, obnoxious fan base and overrated. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's 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 a good it's a good um, answer because I was just on a, a podcast of my friend Dan Ramirez. He's got a Heroes of Noise podcast, and it's what it's called. And which people, if you're not listening to Heroes of Noise, you should listen to them because they're a really good pop culture podcast. But he we talked about it the other night where he, he Bruce Springsteen was brought up there as well and just didn't get it. Don't, don't get people's fascination with them. And I don't know if it was just because it's the blue collar thing from back in the day in the eighties and nineties or what, but I, I don't get it. I'm, he's not a, I'm not the fan. I'm not a fan of him either. So, and it was our generation as well. Like we should, yeah like it but it just never resonated with me at all oh yeah i mean because if you i mean you think about like uh uh, uh born in the usa was came out in what 84 i think it yeah. was um and, and some of the later songs and later in the 80s and 90s but i just couldn't get into it all right so if I could get rid of Bono, that'd be awesome too. So. <laughs> Damn that! Not you too, just Bono. Bono, <laughs> the Edge is cool, but yeah, but Bono's Bono, annoying. yeah, he he's is an annoying prick. Yeah, that, that's exactly how I was just—I was going to say—he seems like he would be a prick. Yeah, I mean, that's the best way to describe him. They should have quit after Joshua Tree. Yeah, I, I will agree. Even, I do like a couple of songs. From one of the later albums, um, I do like Vertigo um, for some oh. odd reason. I know which band you would get rid of. Who's that? I do. So Nickelback would be obvious. But you know what? Nickelback sold like 18 gajillion albums. I, People loved thing. Nickelback. They, I, they were pop for a long time. They grossed like the most amount on their tours like ever at one point. Sold a bajillion yes. albums. So all this Nickelback hate... They're like rewriting their own history. Like, I don't get it. Anyways, some of their songs do kind of suck. But in the day, you know, well, not so bad. You're going to say Maroon 5. I will say that that is one of my bands that I would get rid of. Adam Levine, I just have no use for. Um, Which, and I'm going to disagree with you. I actually like Maroon 5. I like their songs. They're catchy. I will say, I will say they are catchy. This they latest catchy. one, though. That sounds like it should be played at a wedding, but it's really about people dying or something. I don't even know the name of the song. I don't. Um, I haven't heard it. I don't know. It's being played like a jillion times on the radio when I drive to work. Uh, uh, it it kind of sucks. But their other stuff, I kind of like. It's catchy. There, there's a yeah. couple songs that I, I mean, that, that are catchy that I that I've listened to, but I just cannot stand that guy. I don't know. There's the in I. You brought up Nickelback. I don't understand the hate. I mean, they're a they're a rock band. They're a decent rock band. They've sold a lot of records, um, which doesn't necessarily mean they're good. But someone's buying those records. So do you not like Adam, 
do you not like Adam Levine because he he wants to portray himself as like a rock dude, but you, no, I just but really I he's not. I don't like I don't like how he sings. I don't like his voice. I just don't. I, he can't sing live. I, I I have I like when people can sing live. That's why I don't like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I mean, Flea is awesome. I mean, whoever you have on guitar, Frusciante or when, um, Dave Navarro sometimes. I mean, whoever back in the day, who, I mean, whatever rendition or edition of, of, of the Chili Peppers the you chili had. Peppers you want to go with. Yeah. But Anthony Kiedis cannot sing. It's like why I don't like Dave Matthews Band. I cannot stand Dave Matthews' voice and the way he sings. And have you ever listened to a lot of his lyrics? They're just amazingly crap. Yeah. I, uh, I'm getting off on a tangent. <laughs> yeah. Smoked a lot of dope, wrote stuff down, thought it was awesome at the time. Probably got yeah. in the studio and the producer was like, really, Dave? You want to go with this? And he's like, yeah, dude, it's awesome. And Yeah. But people bought that shit. Yeah. And, but getting Nickelback, though. I like Nickel. I mean, I enjoy some of their music. I mean, Silver Side Up, that Silver Side Up album, the album that came before that, um, that was because Silver Side Up, I believe, was the one with How You Remind Me and some other songs on there. That was like really popular when I was an undergrad. Um, And then uh, uh, the album that came before that was um, really good. And I mean, when they got really popular, some of their stuff started, I think, sucking. But I enjoy them for what they are. They're a rock band. And I don't get to hate. But, yeah, you know, people I mean, want to reframe that, like, late 90s, early 2000 rock is crap. But at the time, they were, it was popular and it was good and catchy. And, you know, I think of, like, people want to crap on, like, Limp Biscuit or something like that. And it's like, yeah, if you listen to it now, like, yeah, it really kind of sucks. But back then, it was new and fresh and different, and people loved it. And co- same thing with like corn, you know. I oh, I love corn. Yeah, corn. I, I I'm going to. I mean, speaking of concerts and stuff from earlier, I I I'm going to see Nickelback this this summer. I mean, I, nice. I bought I bought a ticket to go see Nickelback. <laughs> I'm going to see Corn this summer. They they tour nonstop, and oh really? Uh, That's cool. They're Corn's touring with um with uh Faith No More. Uh, Mike oh, Patton still got around? yeah. Mike Patton got Faith No More back back together, and they're touring with Corn. So wow. going to see them. So I but yeah, I don't get some of this. I mean, whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could talk. I mean, we're, we're going to finish this because we. But I could talk all night on. I just don't get it sometimes. Yeah, um, this is what happens when we get together, like at conferences and stuff. We'll just chat about everything, and then two, three hours later, yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, right. what a burger wants to shut down and. <laughs> <laughs> all right, the first album you ever bought, whether it was whatever format, vinyl, cassette, CD, whatever, what was the first album you ever bought with your own money? The first cassettes I bought were in like around the Christmas time of, I think, 1985. We spent it in Arizona with my grandparents who were spending the summers down there and went to a swap meet. And for five bucks, I bought three bootleg cassette tapes. And it was 
um, Sting, uh, Sting's album Dream of the Blue Turtles. How about Wham, Make It Big. Oh, yeah. And I think the third one was um, Aha. I forget the name of the, the album. Um, but they're they're bootlegged. Like, the covers were, like, in the cassette holder, whatever you call it. Um, they were, like, photocopies, pretty much. So they were definitely bootlegs. Um, but I listened to those all the time. Um, and then the first CD I bought was Tony, 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 if you remember them. Oh, I do, I do remember. Yeah. It never rains in Southern California. <laughs> you know, they tell me. <laughs> that album. Yeah, so that was yes. the first CD I bought. Yeah, that my, was... My, that had to have been, what, uh, 89, 90, somewhere 89, around there? 90, yeah. Um, so I think my brother bought me a CD player for, like, Christmas that year. And my parents bought me a CD to go along with that Christmas present for my brother. And it was um, Fleetwood Mac. Uh, Fleetwood Mac. Um, is it Rumors? Is that they're, they're really pop, yeah, popular? Yeah, they're 78, I believe. Yeah, yeah Rumors is their, probably their most famous album. So they bought me um, the, the that Fleetwood Mac Rumors CD. And then, you know, a couple days later, we're at a store and um, I bought... Tony, 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 with a friend of mine. So, yeah. That was the first one, Tony, Tony, Tony. Nice. I still have it. Oh, you still have it? Well, yeah. Well, what else am I going to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I haven't had anything to play it on in, like, forever. But I, I still have it somewhere. I can go <laughs> dig it out right now if you got a minute. <laughs> <laughs> the only Tony, Tony, Tony song I can... other The other song I can remember is... uh shoot uh so it feels good it I think feels I, that's, good. yes exactly yeah. yeah that's the other one i can yeah, remember that's some good songs on there oh yeah some new jack swing man yeah. all right so a couple more questions left that's all we got here okay um let's see what is the best advice ever given to you at any point in life um that you can share okay it comes from my mom um she gave me two lessons in life um one is don't argue with crazy people which however you want to define crazy um basically just people that aren't going to change their mind no matter what so if it's like politics or something nowadays you're not going to convince some, you know, right wing person or left wing person to conform to your views or to change their mind about anything. It's not going to work. It's just a waste. Or if they really are crazy, just don't just avoid them. That's probably what she was talking about. So don't argue with crazy people and um, don't piss off anybody that's in a position to spit in your food, which I think is her way <laughs> of telling me. Just don't be a dick. Like, be nice to people. and Or they're going to spit in your food. Just, <laughs> But that's how I interpret it as just don't be a dick to people. And you can go really far in life just being a nice, empathetic person. And I've added my third corollary 
um, for my kids. So I've taught these same lessons to my girls and um, I've added my own. So number three, which is my contribution to this, is um, don't piss off people that have a neck tattoo. So because <laughs> somebody's got like a tattoo on their neck, don't fuck with them. Seriously, yeah. just yeah. leave them the hell alone. I see someone with a neck tattoo. I'm not starting shit with them. Face tattoos, neck tattoos, that person can kill you. Yeah. yeah or, or I don't want to find out. <laughs> or at least they can at least seriously fuck you up. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's advice from from my mom and what i've added to it that is stellar advice i, yep. I approve because kevin's rule of life number one is don't be a dick and yeah what i try to live by and i sometimes it's hard not to but uh, just don't be a dick people you, you don't yep. you know, the world is full of dicks <laughs> too many dicks uh, about about half the population yeah, and it seems sometimes even greater than half the population. <laughs> and I think that went over your head there. Uh, yeah, I, I know that. <laughs> even even women can be dicks, even if they don't have them. That is true. And it, it's just, oh, God. The world does not need any more people like that. Just be nice. It's not hard. It's not, really. It isn't. That's what she said. <laughs> Now you sound like my wife. <laughs> Always. <laughs> All right. So two more questions. Okay. If you could sit down, have a meal, and talk with any now deceased person who isn't a family member or a former friend, who would it be? Oh. So I have, I have to qualify it because people will say, of course, will say my grandfather, my grandmother, my mom, my dad, whoever. Um Oh Jesus! I've got to be with that. Yeah, I've spent so much time with them already. Why would I spend the whatever? But not a family member, not a friend. Huh? You know, people go over this question a lot, like in their mind. At least I think about stuff like this, and it always goes back and forth between like what I'm like working on. Um, but because I was talking about Blues Brothers, it'd probably be John Belushi. He just seems like it's just a, a fun dude to hang out with have dinner with chat his experiences. Um, he'd probably get me to do a lot of Coke, something like that. Speedball. Yeah. But I think he'd be just a, a fun dude just to, to hang out with for a night. I like that. Yeah. That he would have some fantastic Good stories. stories. Oh yeah. Fantastic. He lived a good life. Short, but good. Yeah. Short, but Hey, might as well, I mean, go out in a, a ball of fire. I mean, it, <laughs> flame out. It's he had fun while he had fun. Yeah. And I mean, while it was short, I mean, he, you can't deny he, he had a blast. At least it seemed like he had a blast. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So last question. This is one's especially tailored for you. Um, uh -oh. Like I said earlier, I, I want to have you on the other podcast, the Toxcast, where we could talk more about this sort of thing. But um, what is as a as a toxicologist, as a chemist, as a poisonologist, as a writer, what is your favorite poison out there? If you can pick one, and why? Oh, pick one. 
and and let me preface this, people. If you're listening to this, don't get any ideas. Yeah, don't get any ideas, people. Because we can find we can find this stuff in a laboratory. Oh, not the one I'm about to tell you. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite poison. Um, probably aconitine. You know the the queen of poisons. I mean, it's it's a well earned name. Um, play that or. I like scopolamine a lot, um, you know, just because, you know, one, it can be lethal, but two, when people overdose on it, they can just like trip balls for like days and days and days. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I lean towards the the natural stuff um, is what I lean towards. Um, but like, you know, aconitine coming from, um, you know, like the flower, like monk's hood or devil's helmet. It goes by, you know, a bunch of, of different names. Um, but I kind of like the like the sodium ion channel, um, you know, activity of it and, you know, the cardiac effects. So I like the like the mechanism of action of it. And just, you know, having the name Queen of Poisons, I mean, that's pretty badass. Yeah, that that is badass. All right, so hey, hey, that's the end of twenty questions. I mean, we got there in about an hour and a half. Yeah, not, I know it went a lot longer than yeah. normal. Well, well, no, to, it, it doesn't bother. It. it doesn't bother me. I know you got to get to bed. I know, um, but I uh, I do thank you for coming on, answering, talking to me. We're gonna have you on the other podcast, the Toxcast, sometime, um, where we can talk a lot more about the science stuff. And the poisons and the drugs and toxicology and all of that. Um, I, so, I, where can people find you? Do you want people following you on Twitter? Do you want? I mean, plug your 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 Nature's Poison website, your book. Plug all that stuff again because okay, I I, I want people to buy this stuff and and follow. I mean, people need to follow you because you're tremendous, anyways. But um, this this book's going to be amazing. So. So the blog is Nature's Poisons, all one word. And on Twitter, it's just at Nature's Poisons. It's pretty, I keep it pretty simple. The, the book that will be coming out in probably about two years. Um, I've learned a lot about the publishing industry. Um, once you're done writing the book, it takes about a year for the marketing and the printing and getting into stores and all that. So about two years from now. Um, that coincidentally is going to be called nature's poisons um <laughs> perfect <laughs> yeah um or at least right now so far it is that that maybe that'll change um but that's the working title so far um so yeah if people want to follow me on twitter check out the website learn about natural based poisons and my weird sense of humor um have at it so that's it that's all i got hey hey, hey tremendous i i appreciate you coming on very much uh I had a lot of fun, so thank you very much. And that's the bottom line. Why? Because those Stone Cold said so. Thank you very much, you son of a bitch. Well, we've come to the end of the episode, friends. If you want to contact me, send me an email at nobodyaskedyoukevin at gmail.com. Head over to the blog at nobodyaskedyoukevinpodcast.blogspot.com. Find the show on Twitter at AskedKevin, or my account, a personal account, is at ForensicToxGuy. 
go to Facebook, find the Nobody Asked You Kevin podcast page, give it a like. And finally, if you've got the time, and I know you do, go leave a review on Apple Podcasts for this podcast. So until next time, my friends, stay safe, wash your hands, and go listen to some good music. Much love to all of you. Peace. Peace.